All right. So not so breaking news, but Taylor just put out her album called Midnight's. <laughs> I knew this was going to be Taylor related. Okay. (laughs) I was like, I, if there's something that's, it's just a quick topic. I don't need to do research. It's going to be Taylor. (laughs) Oh my God. That's me. That's mischievous old me. Yeah. I know her inside out. So not much, much research had to be done. I mean, with the album release, like there are endless things to unpack and sink our teeth into from her lyrics to the music videos to how she's marketed this album in general but we don't have time you know like that's too much so I just wanted to talk about one specific song okay I haven't listened to any of them so I just couldn't imagine (laughs) um yeah we'll do a deeper dive one day into T-Swift and the machine that is T-Swift but the album itself is like a concept album that's revisiting 13 sleepless nights from her whole life. Normally her albums, with the exception of Folklore and Evermore, are sort of very specific to like the most recent two years, whereas this kind of dives back into 10 years ago or, you know, five years ago. And she did end up releasing an additional seven. So the complete collection is 20 songs. And one of the songs in the additional seven similarly revisits her past. Mm. And it's called Would've, Could've, Should've. And it's very obvious, or at least obvious to me, it's obviously about John Mayer. (sighs) Not this dude again. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel like I should issue like jump scare warnings when we bring him up I yeah but I figured we needed to talk about it so this woman is re-recording her music and just put out 20 new original songs yeah good lord yeah that's incredible I know I think she writes a lot more than we even realize as well because with each release of a former album. So with each re-record that she does so that she can own her own masters. Let's say Red, for example. She releases, as you know, a lot of From the Vault tracks, which are songs that she wrote at the time, but just sort of like, for one reason or another, never saw the light of day. Like, I Bet You Think About Me, she released as a quote-unquote From the Vault song with her Red, Taylor's version album. And that was very country Mm. So I don't think it fit into Red as a genre at the time. Not that it was a particularly cohesive album genre-wise, but then she just like re-released it. And I think she has a lot of stuff like that and she's writing all the time. So yeah. Wait, so is are the new 20 songs also like vault songs if they're from across her life or or is it more of a reflective thing? It's more of a reflective thing, I would say. Okay. But they're just maybe, I guess, with a maturer eye looking back at old things that have happened okay so what's the tea on john well i guess first like do you want to explain what your relationship is to taylor and her music if applicable i mean i'm obviously extremely aware of who taylor swift is (laughs) (laughs) and i've heard a good chunk of her songs probably mostly her singles or whatever songs would be Mm -hmm. kind of inescapable from knowing but i haven't really gone I think when she first started making music, it was very country and I've never been super into country. So she didn't really grab me at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And by the time she was making more poppy kind of music, like I guess when she put out 1989, that's when I heard more songs. Mm -hmm. But I never became part of like a big fandom. I think also Taylor Swift is kind of one of those artists that it feels a little odd to be kind of 
not ambivalent about, but like if you're going to be a fan of Taylor Swift, you have to be a big Swifty. Yeah. Like there's almost like an intimidating factor about the fandom. And I, I don't think there's any artists that I have that feeling towards. Yeah. I think the songs that the songs that I've liked the most have been from Evermore or Folklore. I, I think that sound was really nice. And, you know, she graduated with me from when I got my master's. She got her honorary right. doctorate. So that was cool. Right. <laughs> well, funny that you mentioned that because one of the things she said during that commencement speech that you and I both got to witness was like, breathe in, breathe deep, breathe through, breathe out. And those are lyrics in one of the songs on this new album. So that was like, apparently, though we didn't know it at the time, like a little Easter egg of hers. The Easter eggs also, to me, feel so like, oh my goodness, like there's so much to keep track of. <laughs> no, it's it's a lot. That I like have very, a hard time keeping up with. But I think your point is right about her fandom making it in, it's like a stand-up. Yeah. You know, like people are so hardcore about it and it does become unapproachable it's in a that of, way. It's a, it's a bit of a turnoff. Like, yeah, it, it becomes that, like there, there, there are a few songs that, that I like and that I don't even listen to them particularly often, but that I'd be like, oh, I, I like this song. But I have less of an inclination to deep dive into Taylor Swift because I think it's all a lot. There's just like too much. It's all There's a lot. too much going on. And I think for the most part, except for the folklore evermore, I don't love her sound that much. If I was reading her lyrics as like poetry, maybe I would like it more. Mm, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's it's not that deep. I just was never she never really grabbed me, I guess, when I at the moment where I think I would have been in kind of indoctrinated. Yes. I, it, I, it didn't click. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's super valid, even though I don't know, hopefully this like I'm not like sending the Swifties on you <laughs> by making you you're like, even <laughs> though this, even though I can't relate, I get it. <laughs> Um, I remember nothing new speaking to you as well in the red re-release. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, that's not on. Uh, that one sounded also like it could have been on on one of the folkier albums for sure. I really liked nothing new. That's a really good song. It's a great song. I know. And Phoebe, that's the only time Taylor's ever given a woman she features a full verse. Everyone else's backup vocals. The Chicks, Lana Del Rey on this new album, all backup vocals. Wow. It's funny, like to take Lana Del Rey and be like. Back up. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, Lana Del Rey's vocals are so beautiful. Maybe it's like, okay, let's not upstage me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair enough. But I feel like for the for the concept of nothing new, it made sense to have like a young up and coming artist have yeah. a full verse. That's right. But all right, I guess we can dive into would have, could have, should have, which is really what we're here to talk about. Okay. I don't know if you remember, I feel like I might have walked you through some of the lyrics from her song, Dear John, which is ostensibly about John Mayer and was released on her Speak Now album. Yes. Do you by any chance remember, like, even the vibe of the lyrics at all? No. (laughs) Okay. Basically, the vibe was like, you were so manipulative and it was like such a mind fuck. Long were the nights when my days once revolved around you, counting my footsteps, praying the floor won't fall through again. And she also has lines that anchor us in time for when this happened. And she says, and this is still dear John, don't you think 19's too young to be played by your dark twisted games when I loved you so? I should have known. So it's like, okay, we know how old she was when she was dating you. And he at the time was 32. (laughs) 
which is <sighs> a lot older, obviously. So do people feel the same differently about him as they do Jake Gyllenhaal? I feel like worse. Okay. I don't think we've yet seen the kind of like, honestly, borderline unwarranted, like the way people with Red re-release went after Jake Gyllenhaal, he was so memefied. People were genuinely harassing him on the internet. Like that next level energy that Taylor very happily let her swiftum direct toward Jake without intervening mm-hmm. at all. That we haven't yet seen for John Mayer. Or not that I know of. I guess it's only been three days since the album was released or whatever. But we haven't yet seen that. Though I will say the music video she released last night for one of the new songs does very, very strongly indicate that Speak Now is her next re-record. And Speak Now is where the song Dear John comes from. So who's to say if we're going to see that energy directed toward John Mayer? But my understanding is that he fucked her up a little more. That's that's just like the takeaway I have from the lyrics. Mm. I don't know. You know, I'm just going to say, we don't know these people, okay? <laughs> like, At all. No. I just find the. I mean, I don't think, even if it's legal, I still think it's creepy for a 32-year-old to want to date a 19-year-old. Mm-hmm. But if all you have is a song and these people, both of them, are complete strangers... Mm-hmm. It's just none of your damn business. I don't know. I just don't. I don't understand really the army thing on the internet. It's just a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And I will say like same same on the other side, like when the Kim and Kanye thing happened or whatever. And Taylor Swift was like, mm. Taylor Swift is over party. You're such a snake, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, we have no idea what the hell happened. Like, leave this girl alone. I know. It's just so how little you need to give people for them to run. Oh, like they are defense attorneys. Right. <laughs> is wild to me. Right. And like online harassment, especially for things that are like objectively small, microscopic, quote unquote, transgressions. Like, for example, Taylor Swift apparently having been on the phone with Kanye before that song came out and theoretically having approved the lyrics, but then later after its release, making a stink. That's that's the story that Kim and Kanye wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. And it turned out, well, I hadn't heard that he was going to call me a bitch or whatever. Like, it, there's a lot in the story that's, like, not worth rehashing, but, yeah. like, that isn't a cancelable offense, yeah. you know? And it's, like, crazy that the internet goes so nuts. And like you're saying, in all directions. Like, we don't know these people. With John Mayer... And Jessica Simpson having written her 2020 book called Open Book, her memoir that also highlights him being manipulative and like being so cruel to her over email of all things mm-hmm. and his horrifically racist comments yeah. in interviews and stand-up comedy apparently that I didn't know he did over the years. I generally have a distaste for John Mayer that has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. Yeah. So I'm happy not to harass him because harassing him is never okay. But I'm happy to just like continue to dislike him with this new song in my mind. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like Jake Gyllenhaal, I know legit nothing about him except like, I don't know, like, does he still have a red scarf of Taylor's? Like, who's to say? You know, like I have no idea. (laughs) But so we'll get into this song if you're feeling ready. Let's do it. We'll just listen to chunks of the song and pause and then like chat through the lyrics as we go okay just because i think it'll be super fun and i kind of just feel like going lit class on this shit because it's fun and like poetry is fun okay why does lit class sound like clit ass (laughs) did i say it right the first time (laughs) 
Who the fuck knows? Okay. <laughs> Ellie is deceased. I thought you were going to say lit class sounding like a class on how to get lit. Yeah. <laughs> Not clit. <laughs> Never let them know your next move. <laughs> when you think I'll zig, I'll zag. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So should oh I press play? Yeah, so we're going to listen from zero seconds to 46 seconds, and then we'll chat. Okay. Okay, I'm starting now. All right. Okay. So any just, like, initial first thoughts before we jump into all of my thoughts? I like the I like the mood. I'm getting the, the intro. I'm getting the would, the could, the should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I see how the whole older man thing is being introduced. So mm-hmm. it's laying the groundwork. For sure. I mean, I also have the lyrics in front of me, which is an unfair advantage. I could have sent you those too. But I really like the line of, if I was some paint, did it splatter on a promising grown man? And if I was a child, did it matter if you got to wash your hands? Mm-hmm. So basically, like, you were well aware of what you were doing and well aware of the fact that you were going to get away with it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the language of promising grown men as well, because I feel like that's language we so often use to describe, for example, like when Chanel Miller was assaulted on the Stanford campus by mm-hmm. Brock Turner, everyone was so, so Brock centered from mm. the jump, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, oh my God, he had so much potential. Like, are we really going to ruin his swimming career as if that like fucking matters in the scheme of things? Like, yeah. are we going to ruin his swimming career over like one slip up, blah, blah, blah. That's how we talk about predators, mm-hmm. that they were a promising man or like a promising young man. But I like that she sort of flips that on his head and it's like, he's a promising grown ass man and we're still going to give him that kind of grace. Mm, that's a great point. Mm-mm. Okay. And I feel like you and I also recently listened to Demi Lovato's new album. Yeah. And we were saying some of the lyrics felt a little bit like hitting you over, he- over the head with a hammer, mm-hmm. like so literal and so explicit. But I always love, I don't know. Even though this is very accessible language, it's still very poetic. Like, if I was some paint, did it splatter on a brom- promising grown man? Yeah, I don't think that the the lyrics in 29 by Demi Lovato are as good as All Too Well or anything like that. But there's there's one line that I really like in that song in 29 by Demi Lovato where she says, Finally 29, funny, just like you were at the time. And the last version of the chorus is finally 29, 17 would never cross my mind. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. I, I, that I like that's that. really good. Oof. And that totally gives you chills because it's what I was saying Oof. earlier of like, I mean, 17 isn't legal, but like saying 19 and 32, it's like, okay, yeah, technically you're an adult, but a 32 year old man looking at a teenage girl mm-hmm. and being like, yeah, you know, I'm going to date her. It should it, it literally it, it's wouldn't just, cross my mind. It shouldn't cross your mind. It's 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 odd. Like right. why don't you want like an intellectual equal? And that gap mm-hmm. obviously closes the older you get. But a teenager and a 32-year-old still have a huge amount of life experience difference yeah. that makes it just as ugh, like I don't know. A hundred percent. I was literally having this conversation about like the different dimensions of power dynamics in romantic relationships and It can be age and it can be gender and it can be position within an organization and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And 
one of the things I had said in that conversation with my friends about the age dimension of it all is that it's not just the absolute number of years, right? It's also like, what is that age difference? Let's say it's eight. What is eight as like a fraction of your age? Is that Mm. half of your age? Like, (laughs) yeah. Because that also matters. And exactly. and did this person meet you when your frontal lobe was already fully developed? Because, like, if you're 28 and you start dating a 40-year-old, that, that to me is very different yeah. than an 18-year-old dating, 18 dating a 30-year-old. Like, at least you were a little bit more of, like, a developed adult when you met them. Yeah. But again, there's still gender and there's still age and we have to layer it all onto each other to, like, come out with a reasonable analysis. But like you're saying... Yeah, that age difference feels like it closes over time for sure. Mm -hmm. But as you said, this is a teenager and a (laughs) 32-year-old. Yeah. And from what we know about him in other relationships, it's hard for me not to see that choice as I don't want an intellectual equal because I don't want to be challenged. I want to set the narrative. Mm -hmm. I want to feel in control. Like, I want you to beg for my attention because I'm this older guy and this established musician and all that stuff and right and that's just embarrassing like (laughs) go to therapy (laughs) don't don't date a 19 year old i know i don't know that therapy is enough for john mayer but um (laughs) i shouldn't i shouldn't say that because i don't want to discourage people from going like please go but he with jessica simpson would literally as if he were grading papers give her feedback yeah not on the content of her message but on her spelling and grammar. And she started having her friends and family proofread her emails before she could send them back to him, which is crazy. And like you're saying, knowing that, it is easier for us to understand, okay, he definitely wants to be like older, wiser teacher man. He wants to mold you into what he thinks you should be. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, yeah, 19 does sort of fit he seems to be looking for in a partner. And he wouldn't be able to achieve that if he was with someone smarter than him. Or who had been in the industry longer and was more decorated or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a lot of insecurity, it seems. A hundred percent. Just just me diagnosing people with no credentials, but you know. <laughs> oh, right, of course. Of course. <laughs> this is this is life experience of this is anecdotal observing from the life of of young women right of what we what we find in the wild from the life of jaded young women yeah (laughs) but it's funny that you bring up the well i guess i brought up demi but you brought up this the song 29 and taylor is now 32 so she's releasing this at the age oh just like he was at the time yeah that's wild. Crazy. Her and Demi should do some sort of collab. I know. And I I, to- I think, I can't remember if I said this to you or what the context was, but I just think we're in like a post all too well era where we can now kind of better reflect on these relationships that I think we mm. as sort of audience members grew up around and like thinking we're fine. And now we're watching those women age and be like, no, 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 that was not fine. Yeah, I think. And I think not just post all too well but I've been seeing a lot of people that are in our age demographic now reflecting on tv shows that we watched in middle school and high school Mm -hmm. and talking about why did we think that in pretty little liars it made it was the most romantic thing in the world for a student to be dating a teacher and all of these relationships and and like in Gossip Girl, there were so many relationships with older people and across the board. 
And so I think that there's just in general, we're we're having more nuanced conversations about power dynamics and relationships. And as our generation has gotten older and learned more about these things, we look back at the at the media that formed us and that crafted our ideas of love and are like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Literally, like, what the fuck? And I didn't question it for a second. I was no. like, oh, my God. Like, Arya's parents Get just out of her way. You don't understand their yeah. love. I'm like, she's like 15. No. Oh, my God. If my, literally, what? if my daughter were a junior in high school and she's like, yeah, I'm, like, dating my English teacher and he's 12 plus years older than me, I'd be like, you're fucking kidding me. Like, and no, all, you're not. You're all, not. All, all the dad does is punch him. I'm like, should we not, like, call the school? Oh, my God. I didn't remember that part. I just... I, I didn't watch the show for very long, but I do, I like, I just so distinctly remember thinking, like, no, they're OTP. This is the relationship of the century. Like, why are they trying to break her up? Like, I know. And I think we, that's what we grew up with. I know. It would be so uncomfortable, but because also we never cast people in these shows that look like teenagers. They're all like 26. Uh-huh. If you had an actress who actually looked 15 because she was 15, mm-hmm. we would be so much more creeped out. Right. I don't think it'd be cool to have to make an, a 15-year-old actress have to make out with like a 24-year-old actor. But if you just saw, if we replaced all of these teen shows, it's also like the sex scenes in teen shows and stuff. If we replaced it with kids, actual kids, we'd be like, why did we ever watch this? Why, why is this being made? Because we don't feel comfortable because they're actually 26 and look 26. Right, right. But it's just so, it's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, even like High School Musical, all of those castmates were like 22 at the time that they made it, which yes, is still super young, but it's not like juniors in high school or whatever the yeah. first one was supposed to be. Like, yeah. yeah. At least they weren't doing anything nefarious. They didn't even kiss. <laughs> You're so right. Like They were just they, singing karaoke. They just like sing about how they want to play the cello and get bullied for it. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Poor Troy. Oh, my God. Can't love theater. Wow. You know what? That is something we should go back and watch and I really know. understand his relationship with his dad. Coach Bolton, right? What are you two doing in a tree? <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Okay, so the only other thing I was going to bring up is in that sort of like pre-chorus moment, she says, all I used to do was pray, would have, could have, should have, if you never looked my way. And that pray is sort of the first of many religious words we're going to get. I think this whole thing is like very purposefully sacrilege, which I'm so here for. But okay, now we're going to listen from... 46 seconds to a minute and 12 seconds, which will get us through the chorus. So tell me when you start. Okay, starting now. Okay. All right, cool. So again, I have the lyrics in front of me and I've had ages and hours and days to prepare my thoughts ahead of this, but did anything immediately jump out at you that you feel like sharing? Honestly, I'm just a little confused. (laughs) Like left left me wondering about what? What what was is dancing with the devil dating him? Great question. So dancing with the devil at nineteen, that's dating him. Okay. And I wasn't sure if it was like a drug related thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Taylor does make her first ever reference to cocaine on this album, so Oh. Who knows? What a bad Yeah, but not in this song. Yeah. <laughs> she's not the one doing it in this she's just, song. That... She's just in the presence of. <laughs> right, right. <sighs> But 
Dancing with the Devil at 19, that's dating him. And she's basically saying, and I think a lot of people relate to this, or you and I, like we were saying, growing up with the media we grew up with, we're young and we think of dating that older man, dating that Ezra Fitz dude or whatever that teacher's name was in Pretty Little Liars. We think of that as aspirational and sexy and as somehow adding to your value as a young woman. Yeah. Like you're validating. Attractive. Yeah. Yes. And I think she is sort of saying, now that I know what it was like, because I was curious and I was wanting it. And like at the time I was 19 and I was interested and I, I wanted to tug at that thread. I wanted to dance with the devil. But now that I know, I wish you left me wondering. Like I wish I I wish I didn't fucking find out. I see. Yeah. I was gonna say because I think that I think when we talk about the the strange age difference, it's not really the responsibility of the younger person not to have feelings towards somebody older. Mm-hmm. And it's totally, you know, the dignity of your own experience. I totally get feeling that way and feeling like I'm an adult. It's fine. I think it's the responsibility of the older person to, even if they also have feelings, to be to benefit from the the wisdom that hopefully the older age has given you <laughs> that maybe it's not the best idea. Mm-hmm. It's not like I think that something's wrong with you if you are attracted to somebody older than you. I think it's super natural. Yes. Same with like the teacher relationship stuff. I don't think it's like something's wrong with a 16 year old girl because she sees like her young cute teacher and like oh, it's so exciting and whatever. I have a crush. Nothing's wrong with you. No. But if you go up to the teacher and are like, mm, like flirting with them, it's the teacher's responsibility to be like, this isn't going to happen, you know? Right, right. A hundred percent. And in that same conversation I was having with my friends about the dimensions of power dynamics, we were speaking with a friend of mine who has been in a big age difference relationship mm-hmm. and she was the younger one and he was the older one. And she started dating him when they were in high school. No, no, sorry. When she was in high school mm-hmm. and she was 17 at the time. He was like 24. Okay. So he was graduated, working, had an income, living on his own. Like that's the life stage he was in. And she was at home with her parents, her siblings who are in like elementary and middle school, no income, hasn't gone to college, still not yet 18. I don't know what the voting age was wherever she lived, but like wasn't she was not voting like that's she was young mm-hmm. and they met on Tinder. And this is why I find that so insidious, because, yes, she did have her age preference, like her age range mm-hmm. for potential matches that would that the app would service to her. She had that. Yes. Set to include men up to 25 or whatever it was. But, but he had it he set? Have it set to 17. That's that's right. That's so gross. Right. Ooh, because you can't even hide behind like, oh, we met. I didn't know how old she was. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. she like lied about her age or something and we really bonded and then uh, or some some story. You went on an app and said, you know, high school girls. I'm into that. Like, Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. He can't hide behind anything there and it was frustrating because one of the people in the conversation with us at the time was kind of pushing her on it and was like but you wanted it too like you had a crush on him you liked him you engaged and she was like yeah but I was 17 yeah again like I didn't have the money I didn't have the life experience I hadn't gone to university like I had only ever lived at home like 
It was just not on me to have known better in the same way that it was on him to have known better. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was the chorus. We got some more religious language like devil. God's honest truth is that the pain was heaven. I just think she's sort of like really getting into the sacrilege of it all. Mm -hmm. And the line memories feel like weapons. That is such like a hallmark I feel of PTSD and sexual assault and harassment is like that intrusive memory that happens and it just totally disrupts like your whole day and your peace of mind mm-hmm. and like you're saying it isn't her fault it isn't the young person's fault but the way society has messaged victim blaming to us for so long it's hard not to feel gross and like vile and violated and it just, oh, yeah, that it just it breaks my heart for her and anyone who relates to this. Song. I th- yeah, I think especially with a situation like this, where at the time she wanted to engage with it, I think as opposed to maybe and, and recovery for many of these things is never linear. But I think a lot of times we say, you know, like time heals all wounds. And for a lot of things that can be true, I think with complicated stuff like this. It's almost the opposite. Like you uncover more and more the older you get Mm. because you're reflecting back on, oh, shit, like now I'm the age of that person. Mm. It's coming up for me in a different way. I'm thinking back in a different way. It doesn't hurt in the way it hurt when I was like heartbroken and 19. It's landing in a different way. And you and, and with PTSD, whether that's what she's experienced or just in just in general with like memories about relationships, you never know when they're going to catch you. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and and you'll be like, why am I thinking about that right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your brain just like chooses when it wants yeah. to process these old things mm-hmm. and whether it's because post-traumatic stress is normal and then it's disordered when it like really, really alters your life. But either way, like post-traumatic stress, it's happening whether it's disordered or not. And it's those memories are, though less raw, they're more clarified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're kind of stripping away the the messiness of love or infatuation or attraction and the like naivete of being 19. And then you're just mm-hmm. left with, oh, shit. <laughs> this um, yeah, 32-year-old <laughs> man was just like fucking with my head. <laughs> Literally why? All right. Cool. Next now next piece? for the next yep next verse we'll listen to one thirty seven. Tell me when okay. you hit play. Starting. Okay. Again, I have my thoughts written out, but anything from here jumping out? I think it's speaking to exactly what we were saying. Of if you had just left me alone and not yeah indulged anything, then I would have gone on as I was. Like it would have been. It would have just been like, oh, he didn't. Okay, whatever. Or like there would have been like a blow to the ego or, or you would have thought about it for a little while, but then you would have been fine. Like I doubt she would be writing a song a decade later about how John Mayer rejected her, you know? Right. right, right. <laughs> but the last thing she said, if I'd only played it safe. I think maybe this is kind of what you're what another line from what you mentioned from Dear John. I don't know if maybe Dear John is more framed this way. It's not about you. Like, you shouldn't. It's not your, if you had played it safe. Yeah. If if he had played it safe. If he had been like, okay, I'm into this girl, but you know what? I'm just not going to engage with the 19-year-old. Yeah. Move on. And I can't remember the line you said about Dear John, but something else that felt kind of like she's putting it on herself. Or or I should have known better, I think is what you Mm -hmm. said. 
I should have known. He should have known better. He should have, would have, could have, should all the shit. He should have. <laughs> no. Right. I totally agree. And it feels like she's almost like oscillating in and out of that illusion of agency, I guess. We've talked about this in our episode about OnlyFans, where we so often talk about women in the sex work industry as either wholly disempowering or wholly empowering. Mm. So we say, oh my gosh, like you're going to be taken advantage of. Like you don't know why you want to do this. You don't get it. Or we talk about it like, why the fuck would you do that when something goes wrong? As if it's totally their fault. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just like a very hard thing to navigate. And so I think we kind of see that coming through in the verse where like, if you never touched me, I, like I wasn't going to pursue you the way you pursued me. Like if you never touched me, I would have just gone along living my life. But at the same time, I'm somehow still blaming myself. Like I hmm. should have played it safe. I should have done something differently. Even though I know like if you hadn't pursued me, none of this shit would have happened. Yeah. And it's hard because nothing's nothing's black and white. So it, mm-hmm. when you're looking at it from the outside, it's easy for us to be like, he should have left you alone. And her being the, like, main character in the story, it's hard for her to completely, like, let herself off the hook. Yeah. And I don't think that she didn't have agency. I don't think people can take away your agency. I think that it's just different circumstances make you think that you can't tap into your agency. Or also, at the time, she thought her her expression of her agency was, I want to be with this guy. You know, like, yeah, I don't think it's a matter of like not having agency or not knowing how to say no. She was interested. Yeah. It's just the she wanted something that ultimately was probably not the best thing for her. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are many, many examples of people who had big age gaps when they were young and are still together or had a lovely relationship. And I think that's great. But I, I think in general, It's not about like, oh, it could work out. It's just the issue that we're saying of like the discrepancy in awareness. And I don't even have a good word for it. I don't know. Yeah, I think that like it's such a meaty topic. But yeah, if it worked out like good for you, it's none of our business. Mm -hmm. It's just you have to work actively to not take advantage of a power dynamic if you are that much older. Mm -hmm. And I mean, especially from this line, like, Lord, you made me feel important. And then you try to erase us. Mm-hmm. It does feel like he did take advantage of that age gap and was able to manipulate her through, frankly, well-honed tactics. Because we've seen, he said in an interview somewhere that he puts women through this psychological ringer. And I think he might have said that before he dated Taylor Swift. But either way, like, he knows what he's doing when he makes women feel important and then just bait and switch, rip the rug out from under them. It's so wild that that's documented because we can we can <laughs> hypothesize about what his brain is like and being like, is he just like this malicious master manipulator? And he literally will say, yeah, I, I love to do that yeah. shit. Like, and and I think the whole... um religious language she's using reflects his kind of god complex in that way of i can grab you and i will be the most important thing in your life and how he would also say in in the stuff that you shared with me of like i need to know everything about what somebody's doing i need to know all about their fantasies and what they think and what they want or whatever like this omniscient Mm -hmm. being extremely controlling so it feels kind of all tied in in that weird like this deity mm-hmm. of a man when it's like if you need that much power it's because you're 
scared <laughs> of of not having any. Yeah, like, 100%. <laughs> right. Like, why does someone need to submit to you for you to feel like a person? Like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. The next section we'll listen to will be the chorus and then the bridge. The chorus is just a repeat of what we heard the first time. So we'll listen to a longer chunk. We'll listen until 2.36 now. Okay, starting. I regret you all the time. Dang. I know that breaks my heart. Because again, it's that feeling of like, I get regret is not just about the things you've done, but just about things that happen. Mm -hmm. But it's still just, it's the would have, could have, should have of it all. You know, it's the Mm -hmm. what if of it all. Like, what if I had just done this one thing differently? And like, I just regret that it went down like this Mm -hmm. and that I'm so affected by it still. It's so sad because you can't see the future. So you never know what next step is going to be that feeling for you. Yeah. And again, just like more religious language, like God rest my soul. I miss who I used to be. Mm -hmm. The tomb won't close. Stained glass windows in my mind. I regret you all the time. And then she transitions to the next line, which shares the same melody from the tomb won't close to the wound won't close, Mm -hmm. which I really like. Mm -hmm. But it's just giving more... PTSD or not even disordered post-traumatic stress, but just generalized post-traumatic stress of like, I fight with you in my sleep, like that nightmarish Mm. inability to not have it spinning through your mind all the time. Yeah. And the, the tomb not closing feeling like the imagery of I can't bury this. I can't just Mm -hmm. get that closure. I can't just shut this and put it away and it not affect me or come up for me. And how frustrating that must be, too. Yeah, because like you're saying, like with each passing year and the wisdom that she gains, like with each flashback, there's a new revelation or whatever. And it isn't really for me like so much about the Taylor Swift and John Mayer of it all. It's more just like, I think a useful launch pad for understanding what anyone maybe going through something similar could be feeling. I think sometimes people and people have said this to my mom, for example, who was diagnosed with breast cancer a few years ago. And... I remember one time someone in her life was like, why is that still such a big part of your narrative? Like that was years ago. Mm. And it's like, um, because it was like horrific. Mm -hmm. Like it was all consuming. And I think that I just like the idea of this song maybe or any piece of media like this serving as... I just think it helps like teach compassion or just like I I certainly hope that people can understand people aren't going to just like get over things a year later or two years later. Like when these things still come up, it's probably because they're realizing new things and they never got the closure they needed. And like sometimes it takes a while to process things and they don't go away, but it, it gets easier, but they don't go away. Yeah, I think also it's not just about the isolated incident. It's also about what that incident plants in you and how that might inform your future behavior. Like when she says, Mm. I miss who I used to be. Mm. If she felt like something changed within her after that experience, that means that all subsequent experiences were coming from a different place than prior to this relationship. So Mm -hmm. it's not just the damage of that one person, but how she enters new relationships and if this was when she was 19 and then she had another because what was she like 20, 21 with the relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal, who was also older than her, like each relationship kind of shapes you in different ways. And maybe you react to things not as they're happening, but as you 
as you are in the moment and how your past is informing things. So just because Mm -hmm. something lasted a certain amount of time or happened a certain amount of time ago, like it can still leave sediment in you that you then project onto other things or informs how you walk around life so it's not just like i know the song is saying like she fights with him in in her sleep and stuff like that but i'm sure that the way that he really comes up is not that she thinks about john mayer every day but that things that he did to her come up for her in different ways and that's why also it's difficult to find closure because it's so much harder to pinpoint the more esoteric ways that people have affected you so no, that's such yeah. a beautiful way of understanding it. And I think it's so true. Like I one time heard someone describe privilege as sort of imagine you're wearing a pair of glasses and in the glasses, of course, there are lenses. So it's like the lenses through which you see the world and you can't you don't see the lenses. You're seeing the world and the lenses mm. are filtering out what you can and cannot see, what's in focus. Maybe they're like sunshade, so it's changing the color that you see. But you, you don't see the lenses. You just see the world yeah. through those lenses. And I think that's such a good point that maybe fighting with him in her sleep isn't... I'm still like sucker punched, like gut wrenched over John Mayer, but it's more like that experience has informed the way I live my life, as you said. Or it's I'm now wearing these new lenses and I I feel necessarily like I have to filter each new relationship through this view of the world and I'm jaded by that or whatever it is or like I want to shake that I want to be that carefree girl I was she's also they're also both public figures like at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. song she said something about if you hadn't made me blush or something people wouldn't some line about like people wouldn't be talking about this or something like that yeah not only are you might be jaded or impacted by how the relationship itself affects you on an like a personal level, but also the narratives that people will construct around you as a Mm -hmm. young artist, it compounds. So her being like, you know what? I wish you had just left me alone so that maybe the way people spoke about me would be different. That the way Mm -hmm. that the media talks about me dating too much or, or, you know, dating Mm -hmm. this older guy or whatever, and it not being the narrative saying, why is John Mayer dating young little country Taylor Swift? Like weirdo. (laughs) Um, You know, like, I'm sure all of that stuff is also haunting to her. Like, would my career have been different? Would the media image be different if you had just fucking left me alone? So I'm sure it's a lot more complicated when the whole world is staring at you. For real. Oh, my gosh. I literally can't imagine growing up in the public eye. What a nightmare. Nightmare. (laughs) Like, I'm sitting here like, I I mean, Ah! first and foremost, I said some not nice things to people in middle school because I... You were in middle school. Yeah, well, for no good reason, exactly. Like, it was not okay, but I was a middle schooler. And, like, since then, you know, we've all been to, like, parties and, well, I drank alcohol before I was 21. The drinking age where you were was different. But still, like, I remember when Justin Bieber, there was a very fuzzy picture of him smoking, like, taking a single hit from a joint. And he appeared on SNL like the next week and like in one of the skits they wrote in a line of dialogue where he apologized to the world for it and was like, I'm so sorry, I'll never do it again. And I was like, oh my God, like one hit of weed? Like, are you kidding? That's what we like rip you to shreds over. Like not not to say he is a perfect person and I don't even want to get into that. The point <laughs> just growing up in the public eye, knowing what I know about my teenage years sounds terrifying i know doing and they're doing exactly the same thing as anybody else just everyone's judging them or whatever but i know i am so glad 
that my middle school and high school years were not. I mean, I wouldn't want any of my years to be in front of the whole world. I'm good. No. Like, no, I'm good. It's part good. of why I love living in New York. I love the anonymity of just Ugh. lots of people and everybody just minded their own goddamn business. Like, I know. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> leave me alone. Oh my the God. motto of this song. Okay, now <laughs> we're going to get through what on Genius.com is calling verse three. I feel like it sort of sounds like an extension of the bridge, but either way, we'll listen to that. Well, I guess let's start with quote unquote verse three. So we'll listen to 304. Okay, starting. Oh, that was really heartbreaking. Give me back my girlhood. It was mine first. I know. That's really sad. I know. And it makes, like, I have full body goosebumps and I try really hard not to cry when I hear it. But literally for anyone who relates, like, it just, my heart shatters into a million pieces. It makes me so upset. Yeah. And I like that that part, that line where she's talking about girlhood. Like, the first line of, if clarity's in death, then why won't this die? Years of tearing down our banners, you and I. Like, the the notes are going down. Mm -hmm. It it sounds a little bit more like, yeah, angry, but the next line of give me back my girlhood, it was mine first, it just sounds a lot, a lot more like young Taylor and a lot more desperate and the notes go up and it's just like, it really hits the heartstrings so hard. I was about to say it sounds desperate and it sounds young. Yeah. It, it, It sounds like it's coming from that place, like not even like from a reflective place of now, just like as her as a as a as a child yeah no it's like gutting Mm. and chilling and yeah once again i just feel like we're sort of moving or oscillating between like dark and tortured and then just and like powerfully angry to just desperate and young and sad yeah and Mm. i will say so our friend angela who is so talented and made our show art thank you Ange. yes (laughs) She was telling me today that she saw a TikTok about this song today. Frankly, TikTok is ablaze with the Midnight's release. It's actually quite I'm overwhelming. Sure. I'm sure but you can't escape it. <laughs> this song, to some people, has been regarded as like maybe one of the best. I, I have no take on whether or not that's true. But people very much appreciate Taylor as like a more subtle feminist, I guess. She has a song on the on her album Lover called The Man. And it's really just like over the top. I don't know if yeah. you've heard it. But yeah, it's very over the top, but it's kind of satisfying. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it it is very girl boss energy. But Taylor Swift is girl boss energy. Like she is our (laughs) capitalist queen. Of course, she's a girl boss. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like of course. (laughs) But people are loving this song. It will, I say. So she works. She worked on this album at least the first thirteen exclusively with Jack Antonoff, who Mm -hmm. he is. He was a founding member of Fun, apparently. He's Bleachers, and he's Lord's producer. Yeah. But Aaron Dessner, who's in The National, he was a producer on Folklore and Evermore. He is listed in the song credits as a producer on this song as well. Let me just double check that. But yeah, people are talking about it. People are into this one. People are talking about this on TikTok, and Ange sent me a video of a therapist reacting to this during her first listen of the song. And when she got to this line about girlhood... She was like, this like upsets me. She was like, oh my God, that that's even more heartbreaking. Like he must have taken her virginity and that's something you never get back. And I just, 
want to fucking insert myself here and be like, virginity is made up. I don't think that's what she's talking about when she says, give me back my girlhood. I don't think like, I don't so think she's either. like, give me back. My-. First of all, this whole damn song is sacrilege. Like, I don't think she, Taylor Swift, is all about, like, the sanctity of virginity and, like, a woman's used tape. Or I also the don't tells you. Yeah, I don't think you become a woman because you lose your virginity. Like, no. if you lose your virginity at 14, you're still a girl. Like, you're yeah. still a child. E- <laughs> Whether or not you've had any type of sex. It's it's right. it's a, it's not one or the other, and yeah, Virginia's made up. And also, losing your virginity can be whatever you want it to, but the pressure of it being this thing that you can't get back, like Ugh. okay, yeah, the first time you drink a coke, you also can't get that back. Like what? Yeah. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, who cares? Like why is it this? It? This is the only thing that you need to be so adamant about, and and. And you have to really like worry about it and, and pick the perfect person. And, and most people will have sex with multiple people in their life. And it's so heteronormative s- because like, what is, yes, what is what your virginity? What is sex? What are you defining what it is as? virginity? <laughs> right. Because I, I basically just wanted to put that out there that like, if a relationship was non-consensual or consent was muddied by power dynamics, or it was traumatizing to you because someone was manipulative. That is all true, regardless of whether or not someone took your virginity. And certainly if someone takes advantage of you when you are significantly less experienced Mm. and they can lord that over you or inform your understanding of what intimacy and a sex life is, there's a lot to talk about there. But I don't want anyone to feel like more traumatized because, oh, I'll never get my virginity back. Like Mm -hmm. it can all be really problematic and upsetting and deeply affect you without us having to like layer your virginity onto this. And I just don't want anyone who, yeah, I just, I wouldn't want anyone to like take that away from this song. Like, oh my God, like it's even more horrific. Like I'm never getting my virginity back. You are not used goods. No, that's not how this works. Like it has literally no bearing on your value as a person even if it was still a problematic and deeply upsetting relationship. Exactly. And it's only and it, it's really only weaponized against women. Right. Men are not made to feel like at least from what I've been able to observe that losing their virginity is this huge loss. It's like a badge of honor. Right. Which I've never understood why never. how like Men are supposed to have a lot of sex, but women aren't supposed to. But men are supposed to have a lot of sex with women. So where are all these women coming from? Like, how are we supposed to not have sex, but also have men have sex with women? Like, what? The math is not mathing. It's not mathing. No, it's so ridiculous. And also, it's funny because I feel like so often men use these like ridiculous reasons for why you know they're like well technically like from an evolutionary perspective like oh biologically like I could have 10 women pregnant at the same time but you could only be pregnant once like at a time whatever I don't know what they say but like they use all of this convoluted ass language to try to justify the reason that it's okay for them to sleep around but it's not okay for women to sleep around but you know what I was watching a video today about bees, and let me just tell you, once... <laughs> that was not the transition I thought you were going to make. No, I'm a bee stan, Ellie. I mean, this is this is a bee stan podcast. Oh, we love the yes. bees. We love the bees here. Oh, my God. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe especially because they, once the ma- the male bees have sex with the queen or do whatever it is they do, the female bees throw them out. Like, kick them out and let them freeze to death over the winter. Because We got what we needed. We, we got what we needed. Literally, bye. Bye. <laughs> you, they're not worker bees. Like, they don't contribute. They don't do anything. They are useless. Like, we're here for your sperm and then you're done. Good day. <laughs> freeze to death. Starve to death. I don't care. You're gone. You're gone. You're not helpful. And I just, I just want to say, like, for every fucking convoluted analogy that men try to come up with about why it's okay for them to sleep around but not for us to sleep around, I have another one. And it probably is based on bees. But, like, you're not going to win this argument with your weird, oh, what about a lock and a key? Master lock. Oh, my God. Like, that really threw me back. I hadn't heard that since, like, high school. Oh, oh it's gosh. the worst one. Where they say... A lock that opens to any key is a bad lock, but a key that can open any lock is a good key. And it's just like, okay, I will think of another analogy. They're all going to be stupid because they're not about human beings. But like, I'll bring my, I I see your master key analogy and I raise you male bees are useless analogy. Okay. Honestly, we're two steps away from procreating without them. So watch out. Two steps. Two steps. (laughs) I cannot wait. (sighs) Anyway. Yeah. So... I just wanted to just, yeah, get in there, attack the girlhood is not virginity thing mm-hmm. real quick. Then mm-hmm. the rest of the song is repeat. So I think we can listen to the end of the song, which is four minutes and 20 seconds. Coincidentally enough, the same length as the song John Mayer wrote in response to Dear John. Oh. Mm. Sneaky. All right. Mm. So let me know when you hit play. Uh, Starting. Okay, done. <sighs> that is it. I just wanted to, I guess, show you the whole song. Use it as a way to talk about things we've talked about before, but I just always love talking about with you, which is like relationships and power dynamics and fame and mm-hmm. sex and all of it. Yeah. I'm also thinking now about how you said it's midnights across her life. Like, I wonder if this is written from how she feels right now or maybe how she felt right after or two years later like i think mm-hmm. like the narrative we were saying earlier if, if anyone's saying like it's been so long get over it or whatever who knows if she's writing this from the perspective mm. of 32 year old taylor or if she's writing it from the perspective of 21 year old taylor um regardless all valid but i i'm i'm curious to know if this is how she feels now or how she felt like right after or- yeah Yeah. No, totally. Me too. And I think that like, I mean, I'm looking through the tracks on the album now um, because I'm trying to think about the times those other songs reference and whether or not I feel like she's writing from that 32 year old perspective or the more like contemporaneous perspective Mm -hmm. that would probably require like more big brain thinking on my end. (laughs) But it's a good it's a good point. But yeah, that's a song. I have no idea whether or not I will like Frankenstein this audio into something else or it will be a standalone piece, but I just knew I would be remiss if I didn't get this conversation on the record with you. And I hope this song can bring people peace more than anything. And if there is any language around her feeling like she's beating herself up over it, that's just really because we've all been conditioned in the same problematic society, but not because that's something we're promoting please don't beat yourself up yeah Ugh. it's funny because we open this episode where you're like we open this episode with you having found the standum a little intimidating and just as a result having maybe less interest in trying to dive into taylor and 
And I'm here to drag you along against your will and make you talk about <laughs> Taylor Swift all the time. This is this so, is a, a safe environment to do so. You're not going to grill me. Oh, oh, no, no, no. And and I won't roast you for not having been a fan yet. But just know this is probably the first of many Taylor songs we might end up analyzing together. I, I know okay. what I signed up for. <laughs> you love me, flaws and all. I'm in it, baby. <laughs> Culture Colander is produced by Elisa Nolasco and Audra Fitzgerald. Show art by Angela Cho and music by Santiago Hervella. Research for each episode is conducted independently and is for entertainment purposes only. Information shared in the show reflects the best we know at this moment in time, and there is always more to learn.